Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body at Desert Springs Church. My name is Drew. I'm the music minister here, or pastor of music. Yeah, no, you're a pastor. Is that, is that a, that's can it. Can I change my name We, plate we now? need a new sign on your door. Wow. Pastor of... That just hit me. Music? Mm. This is amazing. Whoa. This is a big moment. Hey, congratulations. It is history. a big moment. Congratulations on that. Um, well, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, we made it. We did it. Um, I oversee the music, however we want to call that. And with me is Chase Jacobs, our minister to theological training and uh, party planning committee. Mm-hmm. And we have a super duper special guest with us today. Um, one of our, our workers, our missionaries um, that we sent out from our church six years ago, who we are going to call Mr. G for security purposes and because of the sensitivity of the work that he's doing in the area of the world he's doing it. We're going to call him Mr. G. And if you've been around DSC for very long, you've seen Mr. G, maybe you've heard from Mr. G. uh, And he's here with his family for the summer on furlough. And we thought we'd have him on today. So, G, how are you feeling today? I feel great. Yeah? Yeah. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is last minute, as we do these podcasts. Just about everything is last minute. But um, in reflection to the sermon that you will have preached uh, on Sunday, Chase, we thought it'd be really good to flesh out a little bit more of this idea of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, but more specifically, God's sovereignty in evangelism mm. and missions and how, how those things go together. Because mm. a lot of people see conflict when we mention those two things. If we try to understand God is completely sovereign, specifically in salvation, then how does that apply to uh, things like prayer or evangelism and mission? So, we'll talk about that today. Uh, to get us started, though, Chase, um, uh, your passage in 2 Thessalonians 2 on Sunday um, has this really beautiful section that relates to what some theologians call the ordo Salutus. Yeah. Am I saying that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know. We'll have to ask Ryan. It's yeah, Latin. Yeah. yeah. Ordo Salutus. It's, it's, it sounds like a great tattoo idea, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're into Latin tattoos, so. I have I have the trifecta of worship leader tattoos. I have Hebrew, uh, Greek, and Latin on my body, so that's that's how you know I'm a music guy. Um, but t- tell us what it means yeah. and, and, and what is the view of the Ordo Salutis. Yeah, yeah. So Ordo Salutis is Latin. It just means order of salvation. And so uh, what we mean by that is if you, if you read the Bible, there are a number of different doctrines or ideas that the Bible lays out all pertaining to our salvation. So you think of words like election, which we talked about, or calling, um, justification, sanctification, glorification. So these are all different things that the Bible ascribes uh, as being part of our salvation. And different theological systems have to kind of arrange those doctrines in an order uh, kind of like a timeline, you know? So how do these things happen in what order, when, where, how? Um, and so that's that's really a big part of the work of doing systematic theology is kind of coming up with that. And it might even be a good exercise for you to just start with a blank piece of paper and try and take these different doctrines and think about when do each of these happen? So in the tradition that we are situated in, um, which I, you know, obviously think is the most faithful to the Bible. So, uh, in, in, in our teaching, uh, the Ordo Salutis would go something like this. So, like what we talked about in uh, Sunday's sermon is that God elects 
the church, so every individual of the church before anything existed. So uh, really this is going back into the eternity past of Mm. God when it's just the Trinity, just the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God determined beforehand um, who he would save. So he chose mm-hmm. in Christ, this is Ephesians 1, yeah. uh, who, who he would save before by, the foundations Christ, of the before world. the foundations of the world, or in our text it says in mm-hmm. the beginning, or from the beginning. Yeah. Um, he, Romans 9, before, before Jacob or Esau were born. Anything. Yep, yep, that's right. So this is something that happened in eternity past. And then uh, the creation is, is made, and then the outworking of that plan happens. So we would put election before the foundations of the world. In history, 2,000 years ago, Christ died on the cross for our sins, um, but none of us were alive then. As uh, some have said, none of our sins were committed then. So Christ was dying for it. There's this weird time travel thing mm-hmm. that happens with salvation. None of our sins had been committed, but they were already paid for on the cross. Um, but then come to our own life, someone comes to us with the gospel. So someone preaches the gospel to us. And at some point by the Spirit's help, we hear the gospel with ears to hear it. So the Spirit illumines that preached word. And then a lot of things happen all at once. So we would have faith. We would also have regeneration. We would have adoption. We would have justification. We would have salvation sealed. So that was when that's when we would say you're actually saved. That's where we would use the word conversion. So all of these different things, those are all happening at that moment when uh, you're saved. And those can obviously be in a different order, but they're all distinct things. They're not the exact same thing. And so it's good to kind of separate them out. And then we would also say that in one sense, sanctification happens at that mm-hmm. point. You are um, set apart as a holy people, yeah. but obviously we're not perfectly holy yet. So also at that moment starts what we call progressive sanctification. So this process of God conforming us more to the image of Christ in our life. So we should be getting progressively more holy. Also, it happens from that moment of conversion, belief, all the way through our life is what we would call perseverance. And so, mm. God is keeping us in our faith, even as we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It's God at work in us, keeping us until the point where we die. And death is an important part of the Ordo Salutis, that when we die, we go to be with the Lord in, in spirit. And then the very last aspect of that is uh, what Paul calls glorification. So, when Jesus comes back, we are raised in our glorified bodies, uh, transformed to be like Jesus, reflecting the glory of Jesus. And and that's the that's the whole story that we have, that every Christian chosen by God that reaches from eternity past and goes all the way into eternity future, that's the Ordo Salutis. Amen. Man, I feel like uh, us and all our listeners should get some like Southern Seminary credit yeah, for yeah, what that's you right. just said. That's right. That, that was incredible. That also costs a few thousand dollars. So yeah, if you want to bring that up. was amazing, brother. But, but, and, and you're wearing your Southern Seminary uh, golf had, shirt today. You didn't have to tell anybody that. <laughs> this is <laughs> wow. I don't have my lapel so pin proud. on. So, so yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. even have to look at my notes for that. Yeah, that Al was... Moeller is putting on a fresh bow tie right now, and he's so happy. <laughs> he can just feel it. There's but just... you know, that's <laughs> I. This is exciting. This should be exciting that's, to that's us, an, you know, no, to, really, I, to really think about how all of these things work and just how they play out in such a grand scheme of things. How, how does that? Uh, how does that look in Second Thessalonians two? Yeah. So in Second Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians is a great. We were talking about this over our lunch that if you were gonna um, try and just take somebody to one place where you could sort of unpack these things, actually Second Thessalonians two thirteen to fifteen is a great yeah. a great place to go for that yeah. because you know it says right there that God 
uh, Paul gives thanks. It's all in this attitude of thankfulness. And he says, God chose you from the beginning uh, to be saved. Yeah. How? Through sanctification, by the Spirit, and by belief in the truth. Mm. And, and it says, so that we may obtain the glory mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, it's the whole little ordo salutis. It's not every part of it, but uh, you've got the eternity past. God chose you from the beginning. You've got the being made holy, the sanctification through faith all the way to glory. Sometimes we'll refer to gospel nuggets around here. Maybe yeah. we could refer to, to that as an ordo salutis nugget. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not quite as pithy no, as gospel nugget. No. no. But no, but and and again, some some different theological systems would place different things in different areas. And so that's a good way to kind of differentiate where maybe you have a disagreement with somebody in a different denomination or a different tradition. And that's a good way to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So where would you put these things? How would that how would that work? And I remember one time I was talking to uh, a pastor and he was an older pastor and and as we were kind of getting to know each other, he came we came to appreciate, he came to appreciate that we had a different theological scheme. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he Disagreed with with mm-hmm. my ordo salutis. He yep. did not. He did not like, especially that uh, that electing work happened before the foundation of the world. That God knows everyone who will be saved. He's mm-hmm. determined that. And uh, and this guy said, "Well, as long as you believe in evangelism, like that was a question because of the theology that I had that sure. I would not believe yep. in evangelism." And and I turned to him and I said, "Brother." Actually, this theology encourages my evangelism. Mm-hmm. I am I am more committed to evangelism. So, Mr. G, I kind of yeah. wanted to put that to you. Yeah. Uh, I know that you share the same convictions that we have theologically, That's right. and and so you have that. You mm-hmm. you have the same conviction, and you wanted to take your family to another part of the mm-hmm. world to do evangelism. Yeah, um, in a place that really needs it. So, how does yeah. this theology encourage you in mm-hmm. missions and in evangelism? Mm-hmm. Well, we're serving in a part of the world that's, um, you know, we're among Arabs and in a place where uh, there's been work at least for, there's been mission work, church planning work for at least 150 years. Wow. Uh, even prior to that in different parts of of the Arab world, but for sure in, in our area, the earliest I know of started back in the, you know, 1870s or so from... Uh, British missionaries being sent there. And so um, we're there, and um, I'm not sure how many Christians are there, but mm-hmm. there's been a lot of work that's happened over the last 150 years uh, to see the church established in uh, among these Arab peoples. And uh, it encourages us because, you know, if, <clears throat> excuse me, if we look at the um, the end of time, and we see that there will be Revelation seven nine. There will be people mm. from every tribe, nation, tongue around the throne, you know, crying out to God. Mm. Um, if there is that, then we can be sure. If the, if God is sovereign over all these things, then I can be sure that my work is not in vain because He is going to be calling people from the people that we are among, wow. and among the different tribes that are there, the different languages that are there. Uh, so. Yeah, man, if I didn't have this, mm. gosh, just despair, mm. so much despair often mm. because there's been so much work and we've seen in our own eye, from our own perspective, so little fruit. There may be a whole lot of fruit that we're not seeing, but uh, certainly um, it 
it encourages us. Yeah, because yeah. that's like you're saying to have that end perspective. Yeah, there's a definite number of people from yeah. every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Yeah, that's a guarantee of success. Yeah, that's totally. a guarantee of totally. gospel success yeah. as you go out. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and if and if he's the one who's responsible for it, if God's the one that's responsible for it, and I'm not the one that's responsible for it, there's just freedom that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I could imagine, like. Man, this whole concept was given to me before I started doing mission work. So college, um, I heard somebody that was working in Africa say something of the same thing that I just said. So I've I've lived in that perspective as I've done missions. But uh, I would imagine if, if I had a different perspective, there would just be such a crushing weight mm-hmm. of it all rests on me yeah. and my ability to um, convince or to... Um, persuade persuade yeah Yeah. Yeah, and you've got to have all the right arguments it would be so crushing yeah Yeah. so crushing yeah Um, yeah then every rejection of of your gospel presentation is a rejection of you yeah and your ability to convey the gospel totally if we if we really think the gospel is is powerful unto salvation but yet we we tell someone the gospel and they reject it yeah then what what happened? Where where's the disconnect there? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and and you know the same. I did college ministry for several years, and so I was training students to do evangelism on the campus, and that was always one of the first lessons that we had. That mm. we need to be really clear on what is your job and what mm. is God's job, mm. because if you're not, if you start appropriating onto mm. yourself things that's really God's job to do, it's totally. God's job to persuade and to to call. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, if you take that on yourself, one, you're going to be terrified. Yeah. You're going to be so, and that was, uh, you yeah. know, all of these students, they were so afraid to share the gospel because mm-hmm. they were afraid to make a mistake because yeah. they thought if I make a mistake, yeah. this person may not ever be saved. You yeah. know, I could, I could send them a hell, yeah. to hell forever with or a bad something argument. something that, that would be almost worse is that if somebody responded to your gospel invitation, that you'd be filled with pride in thinking that somehow that's you it. convinced totally. them yeah, to believe. Totally. Yeah, that would we're, we're taking the glory from God. And I think even in that, there's the the tendency to maybe to be manipulative in our evangelism mm-hmm. because you can manipulate a certain kind yeah. of response. From Pragmatism. People. Yeah. yeah, and so yeah. you can get really because again, you're taking on yourself what's not God's job. What what mm-hmm. our job is. I always yeah. think of uh, you know the parable of the sower. Yep. The, the sower sows the word, mm-hmm. and that's it. He's mm-hmm. just throwing it out. We're throwing out the word. We mm-hmm. want to know the word well. We want to be persuasive in how we share the word, but we just throw the word out. And yeah. then God is the one that determines yeah. if the soil is right, and, mm-hmm. and God yeah. gives the growth. Yeah. Yeah, I think about it in terms of uh, my kids. We all, all three of us have young children, um, and I, I had a pastor growing up who would often say, um, in whose hands do you want your eternal soul, the mm. fate of your eternal soul. Do you want it to be in your kid's hands? Mm. Do you want it to be in your hands? Mm. Or do you want it to be in God's hands, yeah. who loves and who saves? Yeah. And and just just oh, yeah. th- putting in that perspective. And so when we think about our neighbors and our our, our the lost world around us, whose, whose hands do we want their souls to be in? Mm, uh, yeah. We want it to be God. So we, that, that helps us to... Uh, to have the right perspective when we do approach them, because we still do believe that that evangelism, that our speaking mm-hmm. and and persuading and convincing is is a part of of what God has ordained for the church to be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So we talk about this encouraging evangelism. Um, one argument from one side is, well, if God's sovereign and God's just picked everybody from the foundation of the world, why to bother? Mm-hmm. Everybody will just get saved. 
that's supposed to get saved. Mm. Why bother telling them, right? Mm-hmm. But we have we have biblical categories for yeah. that. So either one of you guys could speak to that. Yeah, of, that's the of the actual work of. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah, and in the in the sermon we talk about that. You know that um, to re- to release the tension on either side of that issue is to fall into a heresy. You know, mm. to, meaning to re- meaning letting go of God's sovereignty or, or letting go or of, of responsibility. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that some traditions, you know, that might be called like hyper Calvinist. You know, mm-hmm. that they have fallen into that error. That's fatalism. It's yeah, it's a kind mm-hmm. of fatalism, and that uh, you know the frozen chosen, as they call it, that God's just gonna. Uh, bring the elect into the church. He's just going to zap them. Yeah, somehow, mm-hmm. you know, just just draw them. Uh, I think, uh, isn't there a story with you, maybe, you know, with William Carey that mm-hmm. was kind of along that line that William Carey was talking to an older missionary and, uh, or not not a missionary. No, this was before the kind of global modern period of missions. He was talking to an older pastor and just said, hey, why are we not going to the the heathen as he called it. why are we mm-hmm. not going to the nations to share the gospel and the older pastor said son god doesn't need our help to save people oh, yeah yeah sit mm-hmm. down yeah. you know and yeah. carrie who was who holds you know william carrie the father of modern missions was reformed in his yeah. soteriology uh and he was like no we've got to go and so yeah. he dedicated his life how can to, they hear yeah unless someone yeah, yeah. preaches yeah. unless someone is sent yep unless someone preaches Yep, that's, um, a, that's exactly right. There's so, another ordo salutus. That's right. Yeah, you. that's right. Romans yeah. 10, uh, yeah. Uh, that, and, and that's a great tension, verse 2, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's mm-hmm. a personal responsibility. But how will they call unless they've mm-hmm. heard? And mm-hmm. how will they heard unless someone's sent to preach to them? So, yeah. uh, Mr. G, this is you know bigger than just this particular topic, but I'm, I'm curious how you guys kind of think about doing evangelism in your context? You know, how is it that you're trying to mm-hmm. sow that seed? Yeah. One of the things that I I feel a tension with when discussing um, this topic and our evangelism among Arabs is we are to proclaim the whole counsel of God to people. We are to call people to repentance. But there is a lot of discussion in mission circles as to how do you do that in an effective way, right? So you have contextualization arguments of yeah. how do you say it in a certain way? So I think uh, earlier in my career as a church planner among Arabs, my um, solution to that was I'm just going to memorize a lot of scripture in the local language and just say certain things, uh, find those gospel nuggets mm-hmm. Memorize those and just say the gospel nuggets to people, right? Hmm. Um, by the way, can I also say I don't like the word nugget, but it's just a thing here <laughs> at DSC, and we say gospel nugget, nugget all the time. That's when a, you say a word over and over again. My wife like, just bought just a... a thing that is called a nugget. It's like a little couch <laughs> thing that you can like fold, and my kids can play on it, and it's called a nugget. I so don't like that word. We got. So let's keep saying it. We got. Let's just keep saying it. Oh, nuggets. <laughs> Couch nuggets, gospel nuggets. All the same. So, yeah. many, so many nuggets. A lot of nuggets. Yeah. So you were just chucking nuggets at people <laughs> as, you walked, as you walked around the streets. Um, but And how did that work out for you? What, what has been pointed out is that um, you can say uh, a few sentences to somebody, but depending on their background, depending on their worldview... You say those things to them, and they understand something completely different than somebody in the states, mm, right? Yep. So there's there takes 
I have been persuaded that I need to spend time understanding the people mm-hmm. around me so that not just, uh, just qu- I don't want to say just, but quoting scripture to people is wonderful. And yeah. I need to have God's word and those gospel nuggets hidden in my heart, yeah, right? Seasoned, yeah, all your conversations, seasoned totally, with yeah, it. Yeah, seasoning all of it. But I also have to understand some of the backgrounds of people. Um, and so I guess where I'm getting at is that... Um, the responsibility is ultimately not on me, mm-hmm. but I do have somewhat of a responsibility to to convey the gospel to people in a way that they can understand yeah. it, right? Uh, and so, I don't know. I, I just feel like that that may have been in my life a, a place where I put too much emphasis on God's sovereignty, and I needed somebody to say, hey, hold on. You also need to be yeah. spending time understanding the people that you are with, yeah. not in an effort to... Um, manipulate in a, in a wrong way or persuade in a wrong way, but just understand yeah. people. No, right? that's that's so good because uh, you know this kind of verges on debates that happen in the realms of apologetics mm. as well, um, and and I think that gets right to it that these Bible verses aren't just magic, you know, and they and they don't yeah. magically get understood yeah. necessarily. That's not what we mean by the Spirit illuminating. And so, just in the same way that. Uh, if, if I'm sitting with somebody that doesn't speak English, but I'm sharing the gospel with them in English, mm-hmm. well, I guess God can do whatever he wants, but mm-hmm. it's not normative for him to sure. do that translating work sure. in the moment. You might like have that. a flaming tongue appear above your head. You know, maybe, that would but... be sweet, but I'm not planning <laughs> well, on that nope. happening. So what I need to do is learn the language. And yeah. I think that's a good way to think about apologetics is it's a way of just engaging in mm-hmm. communication, you know, yeah. And, yeah. and translating. Uh, yeah. I can imagine in your context, when you say God, mm-hmm. what someone hears, they think mm. of, they, they're probably not thinking of the triune God, no, like no, we are. They're thinking of Allah, the yeah. God yeah. of Islam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, when you were talking, Cody, it just sounded like uh, what good preachers do mm. when they communicate the text mm-hmm. to their audience. Mm-hmm. They know their hearers. Mm-hmm. They shepherd the flock that is among them. And so yeah. they know those sheep and they, and they uh, and they speak in a way that that they can understand, and particularly yeah. the gospel. Um, I think of Nehemiah eight, when Ezra stood up the whole day and read the scroll, mm. but then the Levites went around and gave the sense of mm-hmm. it. And I love that mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. that's exposition. Yep. Yep. They gave the sense of the law that that Ezra read the whole day, and and what you were explaining is just how we love our neighbor yeah. as ourselves. Yeah. When we expect somebody to to talk to us to communicate to us, we yeah expected to be done in a way that we would understand. Mm-hmm. When I speak to my kids, I speak to a certain way. When I speak mm-hmm. to my wife, I speak a certain way. And when I speak to the church, I speak yep. a certain way so sure. they would understand. And when you realize someone's not understanding, you figure out how to be understood. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you do that you yeah. do that extra work, even using an illustration or making some yeah. kind of example, using logic, things like that. And that is our responsibility. I think yeah. that, I think there's plenty yeah. in the Bible that says as evangelists we should be trying to be persuasive, we should be gentle, we should be respectful, we should be mm-hmm. loving. That's on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then God uses that yeah. at the same time right. to fulfill his sovereign purposes of saving the elect. Right. And, you know, as you guys talked about um, earlier about pride and how this undercuts pride, uh, I know there are places in, in the Muslim world where there seems to be church planning movements happening. There's lots of churches being established. And um, with an understanding of God's sovereignty over salvation in this way, um, 
I know that my responsibility is to, to the degree that I can, I need to be, like we said, studying the people around me, knowing God's word very well, and being able to communicate that in a way that people would understand it. But I'm not going to um, have to try and reverse engineer what somebody else is doing somewhere else, mm. right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess where I'm going with that is there are some people who are more skilled in it than others, just naturally. There's some who are smarter than others, right? So I, I, I know missionaries on the field that I'm just in awe of their ability to understand the culture and communicate yeah. to them. Um, but I don't have to... The, there's just a freedom there when I understand that God is in control of this, that what it frees me to say, I'm going to work my butt off to try and understand uh, this culture, to try and communicate the gospel, but in the end, I'm going to give it up to you. And so... Because I'm, I'm feeling this tension of a, of a contradiction of, oh, well, we don't want to persuade somebody because it's God's work, but we do have that responsibility. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Paul, Paul yeah. says, yeah, in Acts that he would, yeah, would persuade mm-hmm. them to, uh, to believe. Um, so there is, yeah, there's clear examples in Scripture of, of, yeah, just of read convincing, through, persuading. Read through Paul's sermons in the book of Acts. Sure. Um, yeah, they're contextual. They're yep. persuasive. Yeah. He's trying to use arguments and appeals, um, all of that. So this is, yeah, and and again, that would be to loose the tension. You know, yeah. that this is by no way saying, which I think some people do kind of fall, you know, into into that argument where almost like apologetics has no role to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. making good arguments and being persuasive that there's no role for that, and that's not it at all. And even if it, it helps me sometimes to think about apologetics. Um, as as just keeping the conversation going longer, yeah. so that there's more calls made. Yeah. You know that yeah. there's just more time for me to put the word out there yeah. Yeah. Uh, in more different ways. And uh, yeah, you know, again, it's it's all a mystery in one way. It's really not is. it's not yeah. up to us yeah. to understand sure. exactly how this works. You know, so we kind of fall back on what has God told me to do. Mm. I'm going to do that. And like you said, just just sort yeah. of trust. So, uh, what if what if we're not seeing it? What if we're not seeing, you know, you've, you've been at it, you've been working hard. By God's grace, you've seen some fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. what if somebody's, you know, trying to share the gospel and, and it just looks like failure? How does yeah. this help us in that? Well, you know, the first thing I think of is, um, are we praying for that person? And um, if I'm not seeing fruit, uh, I hope that my reaction is prayer, prayer, prayer. Mm. Um, and interestingly enough, I mean, the subject of prayer in this whole mm-hmm. uh, in this whole discussion is so important, right? Because everyone prays like God is completely in control yeah. of all of these things, right? We're always saying God changes heart, give him yeah. a heart of flesh, take away the heart of stone, which is God doing all of the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't pray. I, I don't, I've never heard anyone else. I've never heard anyone pray yeah. in a way that doesn't believe that God Every, is. Everyone's a Calvinist when they're praying. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but if you're not seeing it, um, man, I've I feel like a few times a year I'm I am I just you know move into a place of I don't want to say despair, but it's, there's hard seasons for mm. sure. Church planning uh, in the Arab world, um, and so. Yeah, there's definitely times where I'm feeling that. But, um, you know, I think that this, an understanding of God's sovereignty and salvation, what it ends up doing to me is 
pushing me away from self-reliance. Like it, it, it generally opens up my eyes to, man, you are relying on yourself. And it is clear in the scriptures that God is the one that is sovereign over these things. So you need to go back to what you know to be true, and that is God's word. Pray for discernment. Get the people around you to, to say, are you being faithful to what God is calling you to do? And then moving forward in that, that's, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm tempted to despair on the mission field, um, I have to trust in God's sovereignty over these things because yeah. otherwise it's just me going, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And it's not Amen. about me. Amen. So this, this completely takes it away from us and puts it back onto God. And let me encourage you in that, brother. You, you're not alone in that struggle that, yeah. that we here in the States, mm. as pastors in the States, uh, we have that. Um, we have that jealousy when we look and yeah. see God wor- seeming to be working yeah. at the church across the street, yeah. and we have to fight those the, that pride and that jealousy to make it about us and about yeah. our ministry and about yeah. our legacy. Yeah. And as you as you talked about, you know, seeing other mission uh, endeavors being more fruitful, yeah. and it, you, yeah, it makes us think, oh, what are we doing? But if we if we really believe in the mission, the mm-hmm. capital M mission, yeah. um, then we then we are okay with the church across the street seeing revival yeah. and not us. And totally. we are okay with totally. the other mission organization yeah. seeing fruit. So yeah, yeah all, all of this, just as you guys, hearing you guys talk, and as I think about this, just brings uh, humility mm-hmm. and and uh, and thankfulness for God's grace to save us uh, and to and to call us and to allow us to share in this in this calling. Yeah, yeah. and you know, when we stand before the Lord, and give an account for our work in this life. He's not going to measure us by how many elect the we roles. saved. You know, <laughs> it's it's that's a great point. You know, yeah. he's going to measure us by how our many, faith. How many did you get? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's how many did you get of those that I saved? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it's like Legolas and Gimli in mm-hmm. in the Lord of the Rings. They're always counting how many orcs they killed, that's and yes. they were always competing. Yes. Yes. Yep. The Lord doesn't do that. That's not how it works. He's just going to say, "Well <laughs> done." He fit it in. That's the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> God's going to say, well done, you know, you yep. worked hard. And, yeah. uh, you know, and Mr. G, you and I have already talked about this, but thank mm-hmm. God that you are doing this work in relationship to a church that mm-hmm. gets Amen. that, you yeah. know, that we're not, oh, man. we're not evaluating you right. by what is not your responsibility, you know? Oh, and yeah. Cause I know you work hard. Everybody yeah. knows you're working hard and you're being faithful, but um, but yeah. yeah, we're not expecting you to send back a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Gotta baptize get those baptism numbers. Yeah, up. exactly. Yeah. It's just not yeah. it because we know how this works, and Amen. that just makes for such a healthier ministry mm. environment. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that encourages you. Oh, yeah, I'm encouraged by it. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, no, and we're thankful for the hard work that you are doing, uh, not just in in moving your family across the country mm-hmm. and. And learning the world, <laughs> yes, the world. Excuse me, and learning multiple languages and raising your kids in a, in a different culture. Um, uh, but the hard work that you are doing to love your neighbors, mm-hmm. uh, to know your neighbors, uh, and to share with them the gospel, and to shepherd a small flock. Yeah, man. That's, uh, Praise God, man. That's a that's a full plate, brother. Mm-hmm. And we think mm-hmm. of you often, and we pray for you often, mm-hmm. and. and uh, and we're just always encouraged by the time when you come back and mm. and share and and even give of yourselves over the summer, uh, we benefit from it as a yeah. church. So, yeah. and you know, as we're as we're talking about this, you just think about all of this has to do with a long timeline, right? Mm. Um, and 
even with that work, you know, that picture of soil, sometimes it takes breaking up soil. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we don't even need to think about this in terms of our own lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, but of generations of work, yeah. like you said, that that work's yeah. been going on where you've been mm-hmm. for 150 years. Mm. Um, but, and again, you're seeing fruit, but I just think about to you, how much soil are you breaking up yeah, right yeah. now that maybe you'll yeah. see in your own lifetime, but yeah. maybe yeah. missionaries Maybe coming. the next guy yeah. that's right. sees all yeah. fruit. Yeah. yeah, and that's yeah. that's how God sovereignly yeah. works. He's just got mm-hmm. a bigger timeline than we do. So mm-hmm. uh, to God be the glory. Yeah, amen. 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 Well, you've been listening to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. If you would like more information about our church, you just go to dscabq.com. If you have any questions about what we talked about today, if you want to send an encouragement to Mr. G and his family, just email us at info at dscabq.com. And Lord willing, we'll have another episode for you next week. But until then, on behalf of Drew Hodge, Pastor Drew Hodge, Mm -hmm. and uh, Mr. G, I'm Chase Jacobs. Let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. I take that as a sign of intelligence. I have to stop because I'll say something really stupid. But if it goes in a weird direction, that's great. If it gets weird, yeah. We, yeah, we're down with that. No, 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 no. People can listen to it at two times speed, and it'll sound just fine. Inigo Montoya? I don't remember you what it was, but uh, give it to me. Hello! <laughs> I'll, like, I'll make a, a Lord of the Rings or a Harry Potter reference. I've got to right. get one of those in every <laughs> podcast. Always recording, never arriving at anything <laughs> worth listening to.